0: Welcome to the Podcast Potables Network. You are listening to Power Ups and Potables. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and untapped at Process Potables. Check out our other shows on Twitter at Power Bombs PPN, at Pucks PPN, and at Popcorn PPN. Popcorn and Potables' most recent episode is talking about the miniseries and the film adaptations of it. Pucks and Potables just did a crossover episode with Process Potables where we talked about the Sixers and the Flyers. The expectations prior to the season for each team, where they stood right before the seasons went on hiatus. And now as the seasons tentatively resume, where we think each team sit at and why each of them could be a contender to win it all. For news, blog posts, info on breweries we've worked with and more, check out www.processpotables.com. Power ups and Potables is on tap. Cheers, everybody. going on everybody thanks for tuning into episode 2 of power-ups and potables my name is Dan Morgan and I am once again joined by Steve Steve we're back for a second episode and I'm very excited not only for how great I thought the first one went but for the content we have for this one very near and dear to our hearts and hopefully the hearts of many of our listeners the PlayStation 5 event before we get into that what's going on how you feeling happy Monday happy
1: Monday Dan I'm doing really good you know uh you know the event obviously got postponed a week because of all the events going on so you know it came out finally this Thursday um I think it was a really good event uh do I think it was e3 quality I don't think so but again PlayStation dropped out of e3 this year before any of the events going on are going on so I think it was okay
0: it's pretty impressive. At this point, though, like, yeah, it's not E3, but to be able to put on, you know, this kind of event of this caliber just for your own brand and console, like, tells you how far we've come and how serious gaming is in general, how incredible the technology has become, how amazing the minds and the imagination and things of of the people that create this like if you just really take a second to step back and not be so overly critical once in a while and really appreciate like the the beauty and and the work that goes into all these things like it, it truly is crazy and as we go into this like we're not going to love everything everybody has their own tastes and the type of games that they like and the type of things that they don't like and i i certainly have my notes on a few games uh both positive and negative but even even the ones that we're not gonna sit here and and you know ha- have our have our mouths water over, it's it's still a tremendous feat just to even you know have this kind of thing. So I think we we often take it for granted and become overly critical sometimes. So I think it's important to realize like how difficult it is to build these from the ground up to even come up with some of the insane concepts of some of these games that we're gonna talk about, whether they be creating new storylines for existing franchises that many people already love or trying to come up with something original after you know we sit here i you could you could say probably about 25 years into into real gaming mm-hmm. and still being able to come up with original concepts and and break the mold and create new genres and things like that so there's a lot going on but we uh we're not going to do quick sips cuz pretty much this is all news it's just on the event so we're going to get right into it none of those things we talked about happen without the console itself so we're going to talk about First, the actual PlayStation 5, the console, all the accessories, everything we took away from that. Steve, your thoughts? The first thing we have here is that, you know, there will be two PlayStation 5 consoles. It will be a standard edition and a digital edition. The digital edition will not have a port for discs. You will have to digitally download all of your games or purchase via game codes or by any means other than purchasing a physical copy of the game and installing the disc. What are your thoughts on even implementing something like this in the first place? I mean, do you think that there's a point to it? Do you find value in it?
1: Does does this appeal to you? Um, it doesn't appeal to me, but I do see that the having a disc version of the console as a point. Uh, a lot of people are re- uh, moving themselves away from materialistic items. Uh, I'm not one of them. So I do like having a physical box and the physical discs and I'm happy that PlayStation is catering to those people who want a disc version who you know, still use Gamefly or want to trade in their games, that's great. But for the digital version of it, it's good because it's going to save money. It may be $100 less than the console. Now, we don't know the prices of the consoles, but we can go to assume that it's going to be cheaper. But it's going to be thinner, so it'll fit on people's entertainment system a lot easier. But then, yeah, a lot of people download games. Now, I do have a healthy amount of downloadable games that I'm ha- I like to pick at and play. So, I mean, it caters to whatever you want. Yeah, I'm kind of in between. I have a good amount of physical games, but I do
0: download a lot. I did not, like, when I watched the event the first time, it, I didn't really notice that much of a difference in the body shape or style. But when I really looked into it, it is a, a, a little bit of a noticeable difference how much space that disport takes. So if you are trying to fit this thing inside an entertainment center or something like that or, you know, along uh, with a lot of other items and stuff, you know, jokes have been made about, you know, all these consoles looking like routers mm-hmm. and subwoofers and mini fridges and stuff like that. If you are cramming this thing in with other stuff like that, then that that space may actually make a difference to you. So it's cool that they do that. I'm on the fence whether, you know, which way I would go. To your point, if they do make one of them cheaper, that definitely may be a huge price point. I don't know that that'll even be the case. I don't know if maybe if you if you take out the the disk port that maybe you add some memory because of the fact that you're going to need it if you can't ever buy a disc.
1: True, yeah. So
0: it's going to be interesting to see how they do that. If it becomes a a price point difference or if if it becomes an internal hard drive difference, uh, we'd have to see. I think that if it's a price point difference, I think I would probably go with one where I can still buy the discs, but... If it's the same price point and I'm getting more internal memory to compensate for that, then I might actually probably make the switch not only for the memory, but for the aesthetic as well. So it's definitely cool to have the option, though. Uh, Really excited. As Steve mentioned, just to make it very clear, if you're listening for the one thing a lot of people are looking for, we do not know the price points of anything. It may end up being kind of a a silent, waiting, bidding kind of war Mm -hmm. As, as no console has has at this point really released where they're going to be at with pricing, so we're, we're in the dark there. So unfortunately, if you're listening for that, it will not be here. So want to make sure that's very clear. But we do have a lot of other information. We'll move on to the the console itself. So everything that they displayed, they displayed the entire lineup of all the the PlayStation. The console, the accessories, everything that comes with it, everything has a similar theme. It's very clean. It's this nice, bright, white aesthetic with these black accents, LED accents to everything. Everything is basically, you know, immersed within the games. Everything is interactive to a degree. The controllers, no longer DualShock. This is a huge... I I didn't notice this until you put it in the notes, that
1: they actually changed it from DualShock to DualSense. Yeah, Um. And, you know, that's I'm fine with that. I mean, this would have been the fifth uh, iteration of the DualShock. And, but, I mean, when the DualShock first came out, it was um, emphasizing on the vibration. And every single game controller now has vibration. So it, I'm happy with them dumping that name change because what they're bringing to the table with the new controller makes sense for calling it a, a DualSense.
0: Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, i I, th- I think we may have even joked about uh like Rumble packs or something on the last episode, but yeah at at this point, the vibration is not nearly the focus nor the point, nor anything unique, so I get it, and uh we'll get into more of the controller specifics in a little bit, but it definitely makes sense why they call it the dual sense. The other things they did feature, you know, in the display of all the items here, a charging dock for the a dual controller charging dock, an HD camera, a media remote, and Pulse 3D wireless headset. All with the same aesthetic, all very clean, all very sharp looking, but the the console and the controllers really steal the show here. Uh, Steve, do you want to talk about these, these dual sense
1: controllers a little bit? Yeah, so with the features of some of the controllers, you have the uh, adaptive shoulder button triggers with haptic vibrations. It's going to give developers a chance to put what they want for their trigger. So, I mean, if you want to do a light pull on your trigger, it's only, it's going to do a certain thing. So it gives the game developers varied array of making more games interactive because of how much pressure you can put on the triggers. And on top of that, we did talk about the vibration and the, this controller has something called haptic vibration. And with the demos that they put through the display, is that you can feel rain pattering on your hands. You can feel things shift. I feel like it's a more incense type of vibration that make you feel like you're really in the game. It's immersive. Yes, exactly, immersive.
0: Yeah, so it looks like, uh, as well as all that, it has a built-in microphone, so you can chat without having to wear a headset. I don't know if, if I'm going to trust something like that, but I guess it's cool if you know the, the headset becomes kind of a price point are an issue for people just to, again, make this a little bit more accessible. I really liked that the the share and options buttons aren't spelled out on the controller. Yeah. They just have the little symbols that kind of the share one looks like kind of like the flickering lights of a camera. Yep. And the options one is, is kind of the same idea, but more like straight lines. So mm-hmm. you, you can pretty much figure out what it is. But again, it just creates the, this whole real clean, uh, like fancy, futuristic aesthetic that I love that they're going for. Another thing I didn't notice watching the the reveal, but in in my research today, the PlayStation button button is not like a little ball anymore. It's actually the PlayStation logo, you know, uh, full button which looks really nice right in the middle, um, and has the color contrast and everything that's in the that's in the black. Um, it features a two tone color scheme, black and white, devoid of color on the face button. So this is new, where the triangle, circle, square, and cross or X. They don't have the colors that everyone's used to seeing with, like, the green and the purple and the blue and the red, I think, red or orange. Yeah, it's or pink? No, you said pink. Maybe. Uh, so... I don't, I don't like that might screw me up in like any of those games where you have to do the recognition, like you have to do any quick hits to buttons. I feel like I'm way more color sensitive than symbol sensitive in those. And I think that this might screw me up a little bit in that, but it does look really nice. Like it's appealing to the eye, but
1: I'm a little bit worried it's going to impact my gameplay a little bit, if I'm being honest. Yeah, it's definitely clean. And I do appreciate that. It's just, it's futuristic in a sense. But I think you and me were primarily PlayStation gamers. I think for us, we know where the buttons are. So I feel that even though they got rid of the color on it, I'm sure that even maybe in-game manuals will have the colors for the buttons. But I don't, True. I don't think it's gonna throw people off. It visually, it'll throw them off, but I think playing the game, I don't think you're gonna have any issues with it.
0: Yeah, it's only it's only in in, in like a specific t- type of like gameplay.
1: I would even be referring to where
0: you know you have to like quick react to certain things in time, but that's few and far between anyway. Not not enough for me to care. But I'm, like, more so just a joke to myself that, like, the first time that that's an issue for me, that's absolutely what I'm going to blame it on. Just so I've built in excuses already. And the last thing uh, we have here is the, the LED light bar that used to be at the top of the controller is now basically, you know, around the entire touchpad of the controller. So it's going to be much more obvious. It's probably going to be much more implemented and used more. It is pretty scarce throughout the PlayStation 4. Like, it's a cool feature, but rarely do you see it matter all that much. Um, It gives the LED a larger look and feel. Sony said, quote, This is a radical departure from our previous controller offerings and captures just how strongly we feel about making a generational leap with PS5. So, Steve, kind of all the, you know, accessories in general, but specifically the controller, you know, what are your early takeaways? Just, you know, what you're able to see and what you're reading about these.
1: Well, as I said before... I like how clean the controller is. I like the LED on top of the bar like you talked about. When it was on the back side of the controller, it just didn't do anything. Yet yeah, in GTA, it will light up red and blue when you're getting chased J- by Ops. Or when in other games, when you popped on a flashlight, it would light up. Those are cool features, but you don't see them. And it's like, what's the point of it? So I feel with that being on top, you'll definitely get to be immersed more in it with the lights popping up. Uh, and then, I mean... The the vents on the control on the the vents on the PlayStation are really nice because a lot of the recent consoles uh, in the last two generations have huge overheating problems. I mean, we remember the uh, Red Ring of Death for yep. Xbox, and even my PlayStation I have now. If I fire up a you know resource heavy game, it sounds like it's going to take off. So just having that fringe of air vents that kind of looks like the uh, the collar from the enemy of Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't know if you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, I like that because it, it's going to increase airflow. Sixers fans may refer to that as the Brian Colangelo. <laughs> but. <laughs> but yeah, everything's great. The, um, the 3D headset that they're going to... I don't know if they're including that, but that's what they're talking about with that. It's really cool because the controller is going to have the same 3D setup if you plug a headset in there, which... A lot of the newer uh, entertainment centers have 3D sound. So for having video games come in and actually incorporate 3D sound instead of having Adobe digital system, it's going to be really immersible because, you know, when you are hearing shots from behind you, it's going to sound like it's behind you versus at a 45 degree angle from your ear.
0: Yeah, especially with like shooters nowadays, like the 3D sound is so important as a lot of us will know. And I mean, I'm imagining that headset's going to be pretty much the same as the one that I already use for my PlayStation now, which is their like pro headset, the wireless with the 3D sound and everything. If they include that, I mean, that'd be one thing. I imagine that pretty much everything in those pictures is going to be an additional purchase. So, I mean, I'm, I'm safely putting away probably about a thousand dollars to be able to buy everything I need, which is pretty much everything except the media remote and the camera. I mean, like dual charging dock is probably going to be needed. The headset is definitely going to be needed. Controller system, so I mean, I'm I'm easily expecting that to be a grand.
1: Yeah, I don't think you're gonna need the media remote just because yeah. everything we do with the controller. I had a media remote for my Xbox and my PlayStation Three. I'm pretty sure you can do it with your phone too, can't you? Most likely, yeah. Well, the yeah, the PlayStation currently has a second screen app that lets you do that. Yeah. So I mean, those are nice add-ons when you're trying to make the console pretty much the center of your entertainment center to do all your multimedia, and that's great. But I mean, there's some things that uh, the camera may be used for. Streaming, obviously, but may incorporate for VR because I know PlayStation has been pushing a lot of VR recently. True.
0: Yeah, so I mean, again, to go back to their aesthetic, like, you know, for for the PlayStation 4, like, I never even glanced at those things. And again, just seeing all these things online, like, there is that bougie part of me that says, like, all right, like, just buy the fucking set. Have it. It's going to look glorious. You can take a bunch of Instagram pictures and flex on everybody. Like, (laughs) believe me, that's there because I really think they nailed this look so like I give them all the credit in the world for that but trying to be a little bit responsible but hey if you've got it by all means go out do what you need to do enjoy yourself the the thing that I feel people that maybe have fallen out of gaming a little bit or obviously the people that don't and and even the people that kind of you know rip on the idea of it a little bit the thing that is, is interesting to me to always point out to them when, especially once people are going to hear what this price point is. Cause I easily expect the, the standalone console to end up over $500. Oh, yeah. It's people to be like, you know, like imagine all the things you could do with that. You're going to sit inside, you're going to play video games, the whole spiel. And it's like, you know, I don't know about you. I've had my PlayStation four for, I think four years now. And I haven't had any problems with it. I, I still have the original controller. I've bought one additional controller just to have, and I bought, the 3d headset which i ended up using uh trade when i traded in my xbox because i had both i traded in my xbox so i was playing my playstation a lot more and i used the credit for that for the headset and like games like i had way more than enough so the end of the day like didn't put that much money into it so other than buying games i mean you know for four years i've bought a few games i've never had an issue with the console i haven't had to sink any more money into it than i've wanted to and, I mean, it's hours and hours of entertainment, and it keeps me from going out and spending money on other stuff all the time that I don't want to. It, you know, I don't have to go to the bar every night and drop a $40, 50 tab. You know, I could hang out with my friends on there, and we all have it, and we're all saving money, and we're still hanging out. It's something to entertain with. It's You know, you can download games like Jackbox and stuff like that when you host and play that. Like, there's, there's so much there that I think people don't really understand. And, you know, for, for somebody like me who still enjoys going out all the time and stuff, but it's not really in my budget nor necessarily the best thing for like my lifestyle. Cause like sometimes like I got to just like chill and, and, and wind it in like that. That's really the benefit of these kinds of things. Like weirdly to me, it's like a, it's like a self-control mechanism uh, that, you know, for, for the price point that it is has, has lasted me a long time and I've gotten a significant amount of value out of. So to, to people, I mean, I'm imagining anybody that's taking the time to listen to this, isn't really on that part of the fence. But if you are, then I think it's just important to understand that, you know, just like anything else, people that, you know, ride a bike or, or like to draw or whatever, like a lot of times this can be, you know, a, a release or can be a mechanism to keep you from, from other vices, maybe potentially more dangerous. So, you know, I, I'm, <laughs> when I say that I'm putting that money aside, like I'm not doing that as, as a, you know, just something to, to be reckless with my finances. Like that money is an investment in spending, you know, a lot of time, not spending more money than that doing dumb shit.
1: Yeah. As you said, it's an investment and Sony has done a great job of making their consoles investments because they make them worthwhile. This, this console generation with PS4 and Xbox one was a little short. I will say that, but you have in your PlayStation for four years, I think I've had my roughly the same amount of time, but the mileage that you put on it, not having to buy a new console or, Buy anything additional. Sony definitely does make things last for you.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you know the the generation of these consoles. You know, I guess you could argue it's not that long, but when I was explaining to my wife, who who never gives me any grief over any of it or anything, you know, uh, we all like to joke about that, but she's totally fine. You know, I was explaining to her every single year people want to go drop a thousand dollars on a new iPhone every year, and it's not even that different. You know, we're talking PlayStation Four came out five, maybe six years ago at this point. I mean, it's been a long time. And if you've only had to go through one, you've gotten a crazy amount of money back on your investment. And again, like, you know, everything it brings to you. And what's cool about it now is like, you know, I I was, I never would have been a guy to really watch one of these events before. I, I can honestly say that I don't think I've ever watched any kind of console release or anything. But, you know, what's funny is I would watch the Apple ones. I would tune in every year to see, you know, what's the new iPhone going to be and what can it do and everything. And especially, you know, in the last year, getting to back to a point where I was gaming more with friends, like you and Borton and Nick, like that made this whole event so much more enjoyable for me and we were all sitting there talking to each other the whole time and like so not even playing the game just watching the event and like seeing all these things that we could potentially be able to play together and just being excited for things that were coming especially with you know how rough things have been lately to just have that that one hour to to bring all these these things of hope and joy uh, potentially on the horizon, was a really cool thing. So I definitely want to get into those because we have a lot to get through. I'm sure we'll spend more time on some than others. What we'll kicked this off, and I, I thought that, you know, once we go down this list, and I know me and you both love a lot of the, the mm-hmm. games on this list, uh, maybe not all the same, but definitely a lot of them between the two of us, that it's interesting they kicked this thing off with Grand Theft Auto V. Grand Theft Auto V from Rockstar Games, who did the Red Dead Redemption series, Bully, LA Noir, Max Payne, amongst others. GTA 5 will be on the PlayStation 5, which in and of itself is very cool because it is a huge game, an incredible game. You know, probably the main reason people have a PlayStation. Uh, you know, it's, it's one of the biggest titles across all consoles. The thing here is that this game has been out for a long time and it is not a new game. There will be enhancements, it will be expanded, and GTA Online will be free for all PS5 owners, which is pretty cool, but this is this is the thing that, that you give people first, is basically, hey, if you play this game, you know you'll still be able to play it. I don't know, it's a little underwhelming at, at the jump for me. What is really cool, because they really don't have to do this, but I guess you're trying to ramp people up and then sucker them in so they make the switch, so it's smart, but it's still pretty generous as well if you currently have gta 5 or i guess even at this point if you just sign up now and and grab it and you play online they're giving all players 1 million dollars in game cash every month up until the release which is pretty crazy and and makes me think about rebooting it. i still have it but i don't even know if i have it installed at this point i may have to reinstall but see what do you think about them kicking this off with you know basically at you know more or less, you know, a remaster or basically just, you know, a a platform shift.
1: Well, so when we, when this kicked off, we all thought it was going to be GTA 6. That's what we all thought it was. And then once they showed Michael doing his yoga, we knew what it was. And I'm okay with them bringing the game over. I didn't really have an issue with it. I think I have more of an issue of this is the third re-release of GTA 5. Uh, It's been on three separate consoles now. So, I mean, if you haven't played GTA five on any of the last two consoles, I mean, you're probably going to play it now, but you're not getting anything different. I don't think they're going to be adding the tools that they have for PC games. Wait, it was 5 on 3? 5 was on Xbox 360 and 3, yeah. It launched in twenty. Oh, no, PlayStation 3. Yeah, it was on PlayStation 3. Oh, wow. Yeah, I I got it for my 360 in 2013. Holy shit. Yeah, so it's, this is the third time it's been on. It's on three different consoles now, which... It's cool, but I, I don't remember a game being on three separate consoles, like one game on three separate consoles. But, but I mean, other than that, I mean, they're giving you, roughly people are estimating that the GTA will come out 18 months from now, so you're getting $18 million in cash, which is really cool, considering they get, I think, $5 million in GTA cash, it's 5 or $6. So, I mean, they're giving you some money, and especially if you're going to be playing through all the online stuff that they want you to, because... Online is going to be released uh, on the launch of the PS5. You're going to definitely going to be able to mess around in the game.
0: Yeah, uh, I guess you know we'll we'll get to things that that definitely I think got our attention a little bit more. But again, I guess to the the huge fan base that this has, this is definitely probably very welcoming, especially if you're invested in something as much as some people are to know that it, you know it's really not for naught that you'll likely be able to continue that across the new platform. Uh, Could definitely be reassuring. So, cool nonetheless. I I definitely think I'll be booting it up at some point just to to give it another shot and see if it's something I may sink my teeth into when I get the new console. But, um, you know, I'm probably not exactly the demographic for for this at this point anymore. But that's fine. Moving on to a game that I definitely am the demographic for. Spider-Man, Miles Morales from Insomniac Games. They've done Spyro, Ratchet & Clank, Resistance, Sunset Overdrive, and Marvel's Spider-Man. So, Steve, we both kind of looked at this one a little bit. It's still pretty unclear on whether this is more of an expansion of 2018's Marvel Spider-Man or a standalone game. We're not really sure. And Sonya Games has has apparently confirmed that it's a standalone game, but the uh, executive vice president of European business at Sony was quoted as saying, quote, I guess you could call it an expansion and an enhancement to the previous game. From the gameplay, it really... Looks a lot like the 2018 release, but it's also the same, you know, developer and publisher. So you know that makes sense. Maybe they're just, you know, if they already have that model, maybe it makes it easy for them to make a new standalone game much like that. Either way, I'm pretty okay with it. I really don't care because the the Marvel Spider-Man was so good that I'll take a, a decently sized expansion, especially with Miles Morales, because Into the Spider-Verse might be my favorite superhero movie of all time, animated or not. No qualifier there. It's that good. Uh, My message to you, if this kind of game piques your interest, is if you haven't seen the movie, go fucking see it because that's really the important (laughs) thing here. But, you know, I'm here for it either way. I really don't care, but I guess I would like some clarity because if it's going to be more of an expansion, especially for somebody who already has the 2018 version, I'm hoping I'm not having to spend like 60 bucks for this. That would be my only real issue if that's the case.
1: Yeah, $60 for just an expansion is pretty uh, ridiculous, especially if it's pretty much the same, in a way, same combat, same uh, action and everything. I mean, the locale is diff- different per se. It's New York in wintertime, so I mean, that adds a little bit of difference. But I mean, with Miles Morales, you're going to have a lot of different powers, which are really cool. It looks like the enemies are a lot different. Uh, I'm, I've only played a couple hours of Spider Man, so you're really the Spider Man expert here. So yeah, it's
0: it's so good. It, it's beautiful. You, you can swing freely through the whole city in no time, like no loading. It's it that game blew me away. I mean, we're gonna know pretty quick because and this is the other thing that made me you know find it hard to believe it's a standalone game. It's it's gonna be ready for this holiday season for the drop of the console. When you figure that the other one only came out in 2018, that's a pretty quick turnaround time. Yeah. But the The only justification I can give again is that that you know if it's the same company that maybe it's pretty easy when you already have that framework of the game to then just kind of write you know a new story and again you know you said it's a different setting but you know New York in good weather New York in the snow it's the same fucking thing yeah. so you know if you have him going around that same city I don't think anyone's gonna complain about that so. Uh, you know, if the story is different and there's different, you know, skills and abilities and fights and, and, and enemies, then, you know, that's all that's all fine. I don't care if it's the same setting because, you know, New York is New York. It's no secret. It's yeah. all You have to create a whole new world. So, fine with that. So, hopefully we'll get some clarity on that pretty soon, being that it should be out for the holiday season. But really looking forward to that. Uh, Steve, you want to hit the next one?
1: Yeah, the next one is also from Insomniac Games, and it's going to be Ratchet & Clank Rift Apart. Uh, I only played maybe one or two of the Ratchet & Clank games. They're not bad. I mean, they're, they're more in-depth platformers than uh, other platformers. I mean, I'm not going to try to bash on the game at all because I don't feel that's my right to it. Um, it's not, this, this game isn't geared towards me. I can respect it. Uh, I like what they did during the uh, gameplay of you able to rift through different worlds to do different strategies that was really cool. Um, I think some games have done something similar to that, but not as in depth as Insomniac. This looks like anywhere in the map you can do it, versus being like a specific point.
0: Yeah, and I mean, like we mentioned, they've done Spyro, they've done Ratchet and Clank, and they did Spider Man. Like they have a history of, of of a lot of very popular games. I mean, if you've played any platformer. They all have their their different tweaks and whatnot, but it's kind of the same thing. So if you've played Spyro, even if you played like a Crash Bandicoot or something like that. I like platformers. I haven't played many recently. I feel like with the, you know, uh, development and the, and the technology and things, the platformers have gone out the wayside because, you know, now what the things games can do, Your platformers were great because you were just running in a line and jumping. And, and you know, whether that you go back to even like Mario and being able to do it in you know 16 bit and 32 bit and side scroll and things like that those games made a lot of sense and as you could kind of free range and go where you wanted you didn't need that so much but this really looks like it you know this is like a home run as far as mixing all those things because this looked incredible this absolutely got my attention we'll go through a lot of the games that that they uh that they mentioned in this event, but this was one of the ones just visually that caught my eye the most, and it just looks fun. And you know, it looks like it's you know like a third person shooter platformer that is going to have crazy effects, is going to have a lot of fun things that you can do, but also probably isn't going to be the world's most difficult game. You're not going to be online in sweats and stuff like that. So I think that I'm pretty excited for this one. Not having a history with Ratchet and Clank, but being a guy that grew up on platformers and is excited to see. Somebody give that concept a shot, but, you know, make it set for, you know, 2020, 2021 and and adapt to what consoles can now do. So I think that's going to be pretty cool. A series that definitely, you know, fits the more modern thing is going to be Horizon Forbidden West. So this is the follow up uh, to the the first Horizon game, Zero Dawn, from Guerrilla Games, who also did Killzone and Horizon Zero Dawn. Aloy returns to save the new world, which will now require her to take on new landscapes, including what appears a hefty amount of swimming and diving. From the trailer, it appears there's some sort of plague threatening her world. It wasn't entirely clear. Did you play Horizon Zero Dawn, Steve? I did not play Horizons. All right, this was a Gamefly game for me, and I regret not finishing it because I really enjoyed the gameplay. And I can't remember, but something else was, like, coming out that I was trying to get on release from Gamefly. Okay. So I sent this back early to try and make sure my queue was clear. Understandable. Uh, but So I only had this for three or four days, but I really enjoyed this game. It kind of felt like a mix of, like, you know, your standard kind of third-person shooter and thing, but it, it has its elements of stealth, all, uh, kind of like a Metal Gear Solid, and a lot of, like, climbing acrobatics technical stuff, maybe almost like a Tomb Raider. So, there's a lot of really cool elements to it. You can't just go in and fire your way out of trouble. You have to be really smart. Um, you kind of like fight, but then you can like override and kind of take over these like uh, robotic uh, animals. And most beach. of them are like animal shapes, but I mean, you know, I guess you could just call them mechs more or less. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like some some of those fights are pretty intense. There's a lot of making sure that you know you have height advantage and you use cover and you kind of you know don't have them see you attacking and you're hitting weak points and, and using the right weapons. So it's very tactical, which I really enjoyed, but like the world itself is beautiful, the, the story is very good, um, everything like that. So I'm really excited to see what they do with that. Um, it's definitely something that that I'll be picking up and trying based on my experience with the first one. It also gives me some incentive to maybe go back and try and finish the first one now, knowing that there's another one on the horizon, and I, and I want to be caught up on the story before then.
1: Yeah, our, our buddy Mike was really uh, excited when this premiered, when we were talking about it during the stream. Um, he's also compared it to pretty much the Sony's version of Breath of the Wild. So it's definitely intriguing. Like you, I'm, I should go back and play it. I, I do like story-based games, so I'm really excited for it. The next game that we saw on the list was Gran Turismo 7 by Polyphony Digital, which has only made the Gran Turismo games. Um, It was a beautiful game. Uh, I think I only played Gran Gran Turismo 3 the most, um, just because there was a way to get your car to lift up and pretty much fly off the map. But all Gran Turismo games have been really beautiful looking. Uh, Everything they showed in the trailer, which is gorgeous. You had uh, nice little gloves made by Puma, which I laughed at. Uh, I thought that was really cute. Um, but other than that, the the weather effects look amazing. The, uh, the track looks great. The cars are beautiful. I mean, it was just a gorgeous looking game.
0: <sighs> Racing okay. games are dumb. If you want to drive a car, go really drive one. The only two acceptable games where you drive, for the most part, are Cruising USA <laughs> and the Speed Racer arcade game. Oh my
1: god, <laughs> I totally forgot about that. Which I've one. only ever played in a bowling alley. <laughs> oh god. It was
0: fantastic. Moving on, Steve, I, I think this is one that you were excited about, if I'm not mistaken. Demon Souls.
1: Yes, I was excited for it. Uh again, uh I thought this was the new Elder Scrolls game, so I was losing my shit when it first premiered. But as they got more and more in depth, I saw that the characters were from Demon Souls, which are uh part of the uh Soulsborne uh uh, it's part of the Soulsborne uh, trilogy of games uh, from From take, Software. Take that again, okay. It's Dark Souls, isn't it? Dark Souls and Souls. What do they call it Soulsborne because oh, okay. it's Bloodborne and Sekiro on top of it. Oh, okay. Okay. So the game is from From Software, who has made the Soulsborne games, which is Dark Souls, Dark Souls Two, Dark Souls Three, and Bloodborne, and they also made Sekiro. So they're very strategic based. Fighting games, like you can't rush in and kill something so just seeing that uh giant demon come crashing through the castle just gave me goosebumps because that was a really hard fucking boss when you were fighting it in demon souls so just having them not even uh what we talked about on final fantasy 7 they didn't even re- remake it uh remastered it. they remade the game from the ground up it's gonna be great it's definitely gonna get a lot of people into the series
0: Yeah, these are the types of games that I really enjoy watching on a stream. I don't play these games because I get way too mad because you have to be way too precise and way too, like, perfect. And I appreciate that a lot, and I like watching people do that, but I don't like doing it because I like to go in and fuck shit up and and be kind of reckless and have some fun once in a while. And these are not the games to do that in, so... It does not work for me, but I enjoy watching people play, and this will definitely be one that I'll be watching on Twitch, but that's about as far as it goes for me. But again, to your point, like as far as the graphics and, and the visuals that we got, absolutely breathtaking, absolutely incredible. I know a lot of people who are fans of, of this kind of series, and I'm sure for them this is going to be one that sticks out to them. The next one's the first one that is really, really kind of out there, and I think is is, is going to be interesting to see where we sit on this one. This one was called Bug Snacks, made by Young Horses, who also made Octodad, which I don't know what the fuck that is. Oh,
1: Octodad! It's uh, it was a PS3 uh, exclusive. You pretty much play a dad who's an octopus, and it was all like uh, motion based, or like you had to reach out the tentacles to grab something. It was just a weird, funny puzzle. Yeah, that explains why I don't know what yeah. that is. Okay, got it.
0: So, Bug Snacks is set on an island on a Snack Tooth Island, where stray fruit and bits of fast food are scattered about. In the trailer, it was revealed that the island is filled with bug food hybrid creatures that can grow eyes and begin walking upright, talking and interacting with one another. In a press release, the developers describe it as a, quote, whimsical narrative-driven adventure game. In the game, you'll explore the island filled with 100 different species of creatures, and you'll be able to capture and collect each one. The island also features different biomes where unique creatures inhabit. You'll also be able to customize your favorite ones. Over the course of the game, you'll learn more about the origins of the island and the creatures that live there. Steve, when you hear that and you combine it with the trailer that we saw, what's kind of the first thing that comes to your mind? Uh, It kind of reminds me of Pokemon. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. Exactly. Exactly. A little bit more like fun, like cartoonish. I, I mean, I know Pokemon's cartoonish, but this one's definitely more like Pixarish. Like yes, Pixar did Pokemon. Yes, and it's interesting. I, like when I first saw the trailer, I was like, "This looks great." I don't know if it's gonna be a game for me, but reading the description, it seems like it's going to be a legitimate game. It doesn't seem like it's gonna be some some shitty thing that like kids just play and walk around and, and eat snacks and have fun. Like it feels like there's a story here. It feels like it, it's definitely like you know, like a maybe a battling collector type of thing to some degree. So I'm definitely excited for that. I think it'll be fun. Knowing that it's like a, a brand new start to something like that, when we talked about our top ten list, I mentioned that, you know, Pokemon Blue was on that list for me because the first one worked for me. 150 Pokemon, great, I can work with that. I could still probably rattle off at least a hundred top of my head right now. But once you got in the generations and generations, it became very difficult for me, especially as it's all happening. As I'm growing up, there were you know generations I just completely missed, and then you know as you get to the next one, and you're like, well, shit, I don't know the last 200 already, now there's 130 more. Like, what the hell? So like to get in at the, on the ground floor, and especially for one that that looked this good visually, I, I'm I'm pretty excited for the possibilities, and also I mean there's food involved, so I'm clearly clearly interested in that too.
1: Yeah, um, I definitely I'm definitely intrigued in this game, and I'm definitely going to look forward to it. The next game on our list is going to be uh, Goodbye Volcano High, which is made by Co-op. Uh, they made a game called Genop, and they made the DLC for Lorecraft Go called The Mirrors of Spirits. I was freaking out when this trailer came up. It looked like just an anime cartoon come to life. Um, it's a narrative game. I love narrative games. I love games that have really personal stories. Um, it looks like you're living the life of six teenagers at the end of senior year. And the rumors that's been going on, is it's actually going to be the end of the world, but at the beginning of summer vacation, but you saw a lot of, uh, you know, anthropomorphic, you know, dinosaurs and other animals as human, like creatures who are just trying to live their life. There looked like a, um, a breakup, someone falling in love with somebody, a band playing. But I mean, I said, it, it only almost gives me, um, Gone Home vibes, which I don't know if you played Gone Home. No, it's a more of a walking simulator, but it's very single player story based narrative. And I, there's something with those games that really pulls me in.
0: I'm hit and miss with those types of games. I mean, the the thing with me on this one is I just I didn't see enough to really have an idea. I think, I mean, you definitely have more of an imagination than I do with something like this. I think you 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 put a lot of that together that may or may or may not be there based on what I watched today. Uh, what I watched today more or less looked like the you know the intro to a to a sitcom about a bunch of dinosaurs. You know, people like looking over each other's shoulders and burning journals. And I'm like, okay, I mean, this could go you know any number of ways. You know, like I'm playing Persona Five right now on PlayStation. Like that's a anime driven, you know, almost like a you know real life simulator where you're you're biding your time, but it also does have you know RPG dungeon elements. So if it turns out something like that, you know, I'm only Probably about five or six hours in the persona right now, but I'm really enjoying it. So, something like that, where you know you're you're able to balance all those things, and and it can be light, but there's actual legitimate gameplay underneath. I can get behind if it's just like, oh, we're all in high school and we're dinosaurs. Then it's not really going to do it for me. the The one thing for me, is just weird. Is like this just doesn't you know this was the first one I think we saw. That just really looks like. I mean, this could probably be on the Nintendo Switch right now. It yeah. didn't really look like it was taking advantage of the new consoles. Again, we didn't see much, so maybe that changes. And I don't think anything we saw was actual gameplay. So maybe you see it in the gameplay. Uh, you know, maybe there are, are more, you know, uh, moving based cutscenes because a lot of this felt more like you know still art and stuff like that. I mean, if that's just the design, then that's the design. But. Uh, I hope at the very least they kind of take advantage of, you know, the the uptick in graphics and and, resources available, if nothing else. The next game we're going to talk about is Jet the Far Shore, made by Super Brothers, who made Super Time Force, and several other mobile games. So, me and you kind of talked about this when we were watching. I think we're in agreement here. I mean, we got a lot of No Man's Sky type of vibes from this. Um, Again, a trailer that doesn't show much. But it looks like it's mostly going to be some kind of space travel. Um, I'm not really able to gather much more than that. My initial thought was just, all right, well, you know, if somebody's going to try and make No Man's Sky but understand how bad No Man's Sky fucked up, then hopefully we've already gone down that path one time so we won't have to relive it again. So my hope is that we just get what we expected from that out of this and on a better console with better, better graphics, which if that's the case, I'll be interested.
1: Yeah, the only comment I have on this is that it's pretty much, again, No Man's Sky, but with a story. That's all I can got from it. I mean, what story did you get from it? Oh, well, it looks like you're leaving your planet. Um, it looks like it was a primitive planet, but you have access to rocket ships or whatever, and you're going to find a new world for your the world to inhabit. But said that's, that's other than that, it just it was No Man's Sky. So that's the story is you're looking for a place to live for your Earth, your world, but just No Man's Sky. That's all I got from it.
0: All right. The next one I'm very excited for. I don't know where you sit. This one is called Kenna Bridge of the Spirits. It's made by Ember Lab. This is apparently their first game, which was shocking to me based on how this looked. And, and I don't know. I feel like I had heard that name before, but, you know, I guess not. Per their website, Kenna, a young spirit guy, travels to an abandoned village in search of the sacred mountain shrine. She struggles to uncover the secrets of this forgotten community hidden in an overgrown forest where wandering spirits are trapped. The combat looks Zelda-esque. You collect rot to learn abilities, make discoveries, and transform the environment. The enemies are spirits that are corrupt, trapped, and unable to move. I'm very interested in this. You mentioned earlier Borton comparing... Which game was it? Um... To Breath of the Wild, Horizon. Oh yeah,
1: Horizons. Yeah, we we compared that to it. Yeah, yeah.
0: I I think that this looks very Breath of the Wild ass. This has serious Zelda vibes, but you know maybe with a little bit more customization based on this rot thing where you know finding them uh, helps you to learn things a- and discover new things and stuff like that. So I think there might be a little bit more of a uh, I guess like a creative aspect or or potentially m- maybe even like an RNG kind of thing instead of just a linear find the sword, find a shield, find some bombs. Uh, that that Zelda kind of has done mostly in the past, I and mean, not so much with the newer games, obviously. But that's kind of been their their claim to fame. Uh, so if this is the case for that, but boy, this looked really good. Um, you know, it's not over the top. It's it's not the the greatest graphics you've ever seen, but the world looked looked. You know, the the forest they're in looked lush. The enemies, uh, you know, the colors were vibrant. Uh, it looked like the the movements were very very clean and crisp uh you know and, and aiming and targeting and kind of hack and slash hack and slash system much like Zelda so uh this definitely spoke to me i was very impressed with this and i'm really excited for this one
1: yeah i got really strong pikmin vibes from it just with the rot yeah. just seeing them do different tasks for them so i mean i i never played pikmin so i'm intrigued in this i'm definitely uh very interested
0: i could see the pikmin thing with uh with bug snacks too, a little oh, bit. Yeah. I think that was what I was trying to think of before. Okay. But, yeah, the, the Rot definitely do have that that Pikmin style as well. So definitely get those vibes from two of these so far.
1: Uh, the next game on our list is going to be Level Little Devil Inside, which is from Neostream Interactive. This is also their first game. Uh, you're an adventurer who works for a researcher who needs you to bring back things for him to study. The website trailer shows you traveling via boat, train, and sand travel same traversing truck, shooting, sword fighting, and more. Um, It looked like a Victorian-era adventure game uh, with a nice... I don't know what the term would be for the graphics that it had. It's very, like, arcade
0: style. Yes. Uh, this one reminded me of, like, Contra, but in, like, a much bigger world with, like, you know, you're not just some soldier shooting guns. Like, you're exploring, you're questing. The, the graphics, like, this is what was cool as far as, like, you know, arcade style, but definitely taking advantage of of the new generation of console. Like, I was kind of, you know, I I was getting real Zelda, like, Wind Waker vibes from the graphics Mm -hmm. and the art until I saw that sand traversing truck, which I rode in here because I didn't know what the hell it was. But, like, that part was crazy because that reminded me of, uh, oh, man, the, um, like, the movies with the, Star Wars? No no, Star Wars? no, 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 no. Um, Mad Max. Oh, yeah, okay. It reminded me of Mad Max okay. with the things chasing you and you're like shooting them as you're traversing through this. Like, I got serious Mad Max vibes from that and I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. So, um, you know, they show some sword fighting, some shooting like a minigun off a boat, shooting your gun off this, this, uh, you know, truck in the sand. So, it looks like there's a lot of different, you know, uh, adventures that you go on, different actions to be taken, different weapons to use. So, Definitely looks cool. The only thing I would say is, is again, though, because it's that arcade-style kind of game, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's very immersive and very in-depth, but this looks like one of those ones where, you know, am I going to pre-order in and drop, like, 65 bucks off the bat? No. If you told me that this was going to come out via, like, download only for, like, 40 bucks, maybe, mm-hmm. um, or definitely seems like one I'm waiting until it's on sale. But, again, you know, this we're strictly going off trailers for the most part here. But yeah. You know, again, going back to to, to Kenna, Bridge of the Spirits as well, you know, we're back-to-back here with developers on their first games. For first games, these both looked very incredible and very impressive.
1: Yeah, they definitely took their time developing them. Uh, I think both those games had a start on Kickstarter, but they were never pretty much shown other than the name and some uh, concept art. But yeah, for these two developers, for their first games to be on a PS5 event... It's fantastic, and for what they showed, it was pretty good.
0: Yeah, very impressed with them. I know you were impressed with the next one. I'm going to let you take this. I'm going to get a drink.
1: Okay, you go ahead. So the next game on our list is Oddworld Soulstorm uh, from Oddworld Inhabitants, and let me tell you, I am a huge fan of the Oddworld games. Uh, I played all of them before. Uh, When they did New and Tasty, they talked about how they retconned the entire series. And that the new game was the fabled soul storm, which was supposed to be the third sequel after, uh, award, uh, Ape's odyssey and Exodus. So seeing that it's finally come out, got my heart racing. Um, you know, this is a, 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 big change over the last, I want to say the last three games per se, because the, the game before this was new and tasty. So we'll, we'll, we'll mark that out of there. But, uh, they had munch's odyssey and stranger's wrath, which were totally two different games, uh, Aussie was an Xbox uh, launch title and then stranger's wrath stranger's wrath was just a really just weird first person Wild west shooter but looking through the trailer uh Abe is out there saving more mcducken he's you know getting more powers he in the trailer he cuts the um the ties on his mouth so he has full uh motion of his mouth so we don't know what he can do but there was explosions there was just <laughs> mcduckens dying left and right so you're definitely out there trying to save more Mudkens, but it seems that it's okay to kill a lot more. So, um, but everything with the game was very just beautiful. Uh, it's the same, you know, not two D side scroll, but that same side scroller uh, movement. But everything's in lush three D. Cool. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I this was the one I, I definitely fanboyed over in our discussion on Discord. You guys don't care about it. That's fine. I can respect it. Um, I will tell you, Dan, that if you do like challenging puzzles, I would definitely try to rec- try out new and tasty.
0: Like at this point, like this, I guess this is the first one they're probably putting out since I really started watching any kind of games on on Twitch or anything. So, you know, having that resource available for any game that you're interested in it is very valuable. So I can't recommend enough. You know, we have we have that that ability now. If you're on the fence about something before you drop you know sixty bucks on it, you know, w- watch somebody play it, see if you like it. Um, check it out so I mean this is one that I'll definitely make sure to check out because you know the trailer looks pretty cool but I'm just not familiar with the franchise so it's hard to get excited because the trailer does for somebody that hasn't played them doesn't really give you much insight into what exactly you're doing here but I'm sure you know if you've played them it makes a lot more sense so you know if I get a chance to check that out and see it then it may be something I'd be interested in picking up. The next game is definitely one that I I need to see somebody play before I have any idea what's really going on here. But this one looked amazing, visually, and this one's called Stray, from Anna Purna Interactive. I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with you with that. My my best guess. The the only thing I found that that they were responsible for was Cyan Wild Hearts, which was a PS4 release as well. Uh, this game will release next year for both PS4 and PS5, so you don't need the console upgrade to play it. And later we'll have a PC release as well, uh, according to a blog post from one of their developers. Uh, this will include puzzle solving and action scenes, uh, but other than that, you know, we kind of just saw this cat creeping around. What looks like a like a digital Tokyo kind of vibe. Uh, we only I think see like robots yeah, for the it, most part, so not exactly sure what's happening. Some of the things that I read think it's basically like a cat simulator. Uh, not, not you know, like to a to a boring degree, but basically, yeah. like you're this cat, and I mean, there's probably just going to be you know things you can do. And my my guess is that you know you're probably needing to avoid the robots to some degree.
1: Uh, I mean, I don't think so. Uh, I you definitely see a cat go into the door and then come out with a book bag, which I freaked out over just because it's a cat wearing a book bag. Um, you definitely do see the cat interact or walk past robots that are in poverty or getting a haircut, which Dan was talking about during our stream, that he really could use one of those robo-barbers to get yeah. a haircut. Um, there was a no cat sign, so I don't know if there's an issue with organic life being in the city, but it definitely just seemed a very interesting game that you know almost nothing about but the cut scene uh, that they, they showed. But it's interesting, and I definitely think it's going to be story-based. Uh I mean, and if you're, you're looking for something like that, I definitely recommend it. Siren or Wild Hearts was a really good game, so for Annapurnia, whatever their their name is, to be their second game, I'm definitely into it.
0: Yeah, I'm not, I'm not there yet, but again, one that, that I may take a look at, but definitely seems more up your alley than mine. Uh The next one we have on our list is Solar Ash, made by Heart Machine. Their first game was Hyper Light Drifter. This is their second game. Her their website. In Solar Ash, a player journeys through the Ultravoid, a ravenous rift in space swallowing worlds. It's a place of incredible danger and surreal spaces, a dream none can escape. Familiar though alien, lush but grotesque, peaceful at times and supremely violent in others. Our characters must find solace in each other. Players will blast through high speed traversal challenges with wild gravity and beautiful vistas while slaying massive monsters and meeting other lost souls. Beware the remnants that loom and bristle with hunger. This one looks really cool. This kind of had a little bit of that, like dark souls or almost uh like a shadow of the colossus kind of vibe, mm. where it's kinda like, you know, you versus the world and these big powerful monsters. I don't think it's gonna be as, you know, like challenging and intricate as games like that. I think it'll be much more accessible than those games, I think is the way that I would put it. But visually I was pretty impressed and you know, it, I didn't get any vibes of anything kind of out of the norm. I think this looks like a pretty straightforward game, but definitely one that, that I think I would be interested maybe more in, in a, in a, a, uh, what the hell's it called again? Disc, uh, the rental Gamefly. Gamefly. game I was about to say disc fly. And I'm like, Discfly, I know that's not You know, right. disc fly, you know, Uh game or Redbox box or something like that. Uh, But, you know, what were your thoughts on this, Steve?
1: Uh, I mean, it it is a beautiful-looking game, but, I mean, other than that, it just—nothing pulled me in for it. Um, I I don't know. I I don't have an opinion on it.
0: All right, the next game we're going to talk about is NBA 2K21. Zion Williamson was the featured athlete in this. It pretty much shows his fat, sweaty face dripping in sweat. (laughs) I will say it looked real as hell, as I'm sure he's often very sweaty and very tired because of his size and his bad knees, because of all the weight that he puts on them. Uh, The NBA 2K series is filled with microtransactions that do not interest me. I think that it's disgusting how much money it takes to play that game. I think that while I know a lot of people enjoy that game, they can go fuck off. And the entire 2K series is pretty much a a non-factor except for NBA 2K and I hope that one day that they are a non-factor across all games and that EA Sports, who still has plenty of microtransactions but not nearly as many to me as NBA 2K ever has, uh, finally puts out a basketball game worth playing so that I can actually enjoy one. Anyway. <laughs> Moving on, the next game we have is Returnal, made by House Marquee, who made Storm Divers and Nex Machina. A new franchise from Sony was shown during the event developed by formerly arcade-focused House Marquee. Returnal features a crash landing on an alien planet where the protagonist keeps reliving the same events, including her death, over and over again. The planet, however, changes every time she dies. This one was very interesting to me. I, there's another game we're going to talk about that kind of, I felt, had this same idea to an extent that I was a bigger fan of, so I think it puts a bit of a dent in in this to me, because they're, I think they're two kind of similar games, and when we get to the next one, I'm a little bit more excited for that one. But this one still looked really cool. The premise is interesting. It's, I'm gonna need to see more to figure out where I stand on it. But wh- where are you at?
1: Um, I mean, I was interested in it. I like the concept of, you know, Groundhog's Day. You have to relive a day over and over again, and we'll get to another game about it. But being using that in a game is really. cool. Interesting because yeah, it it, it causes the developer to you know reuse a lot of assets, which I mean in a game like this that's fine, but you're gonna be able to grow as a character, you get different abilities because you're gonna remember everything that happened. The enemy design looked great. They were just giant monstrosities. Uh there was a collapse city in one point. Um they did focus a lot on the shooting con uh, shooting part of the game which looked just clean. It was very fluid. You felt like you were actually fighting for your life in this in this trailer.
0: Yeah, very cool. Very excited to see what comes of that. Not so excited for the next one. Sackboy: A Big Adventure. That's not a joke. That's what it's called. Made by Sumo Digital, who made Little Big Planet 3, Crackdown 3, and are making the long delayed Dead Island 2. Sackboy, A Big Adventure is the latest game in the Little Big Planet franchise. It features action-oriented gameplay and 3D platforming rather than the 2D platforming from the first three games.
1: Uh, It just looks like a run-in-the-mill platformer with a Sony mascot. It doesn't seem interesting. I've never played any of the Little Big Planets. I never wanted to, even though I've had both games. Uh, I got them for free from Sony, but I... This is a pass for me. I don't I don't care. Little Big
0: Planet for PlayStation was the free U2 album that got put on everyone's iPhone <laughs> against their will. Nobody wants it. Nobody cares. And then you take the main character of it that nobody gave a shit about, and no one knew his name was Sackboy. Sackboy. And decided, okay, let's change the name because everybody's sick of it. And we're going to call it Sackboy, A Big Adventure. A game that's probably more catered to kids is called Sackboy. I can't wait for all the middle school bullying reports that come now that kids start calling other kids (laughs) Sackboy all the time and then proceed to kick or punch them in their dick afterwards. And that becomes their claim to fame. They are Sackboy. Sony, you did this. This is your fault.
1: Well, uh moving on to uh kicking your some- fault. <laughs> moving on to kicking to somebody in the balls. the next game on our list is going to be Destruction All-Stars by Lucid Games. Uh they've only made two games before. They have made the uh Puzzle Adventure game Jacob Jones and the Bigfoot Mystery from what I can tell it's kind of like a point and click adventure and then they Sounds made- like an
0: interesting porn title.
1: <laughs> and then they made uh, a game called Switchblade which was a 5v5 vehicle MOBA. Um What's MOBA? I, MOBA is like League of Legends. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm not a fan of MOBA, so I, I'm going to throw all that out to the side. I mean, Destruction All-Stars looked really interesting to me. Um, I like that it is Destruction Derby. Uh, you can do stuff in a car or on a foot. There is Environmental Hazards. I think it's a good game that you can fire up and play 20 minutes around just to fuck with people and just mess around. Um. We definitely compared it a lot to Rocket League. We definitely got Rocket League vibes off of it. Yeah. I don't think there's going to be any soccer based in the game. I don't think there's going to be real sports style stuff in the game. I think it's just going to be just destroy as much shit as possible. Yeah, it definitely gave that
0: that Rocket League impression just as far as like the track and kind of riding along the walls and you know, going back and forth. It also has, you know, modes that, that few people ever really seem to play. But Like when Mario Kart, they always had like the battle modes, mm-hmm. Like it kind of has that vibes, and a little bit of twist and metal as well. So all those things put together could be interesting. Again, this kind of falls into that, you know, maybe if it's a, a free play that I can try, maybe if it comes down like 20 bucks, I might give it a shot. But, you know, at a, at a $60 starting tag, if, the, if this is considered a full game, uh, I don't know that this is really one for me. Uh, but definitely interesting, probably one that, that'll be enjoyable to watch, if nothing else. Um, you know, I don't mind watching Rocket League. I've never played it. I don't think I would enjoy playing it, but, I, you know, I have a friend that's pretty serious about it that I, I've watched play a few times, so it, it's not that bad, especially when there's no sports on. Um, you know, maybe it gives you that, that allure a little bit, but that's about as far as it goes for me.
1: So the next game on our list is Asheville's Playroom from Japan studio. Japan studio. Which is Sony's in-house studio. They made Parappa the Rapper, Shadow of the Colossus, Last Guardian, and Gravity Rush. Um, I don't like this game. I absolutely do not like this. It, I I, I understand the concept of the game. It is a game that's going to be, first off, preloaded on every single PS5. It's only there to showcase what the controller can do and what the cons can do. Other than that, I don't give a shit. I think this is a waste of resources. This was a waste of development. They could have done a million different things with this game. They could have done this with uh, what's the game that we talked about? That was a Sackboy. They could have did this with Sack Boy's Adventure. Name name not involved. They could have done something like this. with Don't a- mention Sackboy again. I swear I, to God, I'll, I'll just I'll I'll curb myself. <laughs> but this this just looks like a shitty game. The only thing I liked about this game was two things. They showed you running through the desert with rain falling, and apparently you can feel that on the controller. So feeling rain falling on your hands through a controller, that's cool. And then one of the Astros had the old school DualShock One gray controller. That was the only thing I liked about this trailer. Other than that, this was just a waste of time.
0: So you're telling me you let me go on that entire YouTube rant only to then find out that this is the game
1: that is actually the YouTube album being installed against your will? God damn it, Steve! Um, so I'm sorry I didn't didn't, li- I didn't I'm sorry I didn't preload you like they did with the YouTube <laughs> album and this game. Like that. But yeah, that's pretty much what the equivalent of it is.
0: The only thing I can imagine this doing hearing about this is like, you know, as soon as you hook everything up and you've spent, you know, let's say eight hundred and fifty dollars on a console, a controller, and a headset, is you pop this one in and you feel the rain tingling on the dual sense controller in your hands, and maybe you just have a little bit less buyer's remorse at that <laughs> point. That seems like that's what they're trying to do, is just make you be like Yeah, like, this is cool. And then you realize that the next 20 games that you play are not going to use that fucking technology at all because it takes forever to actually implement the console technology into the gameplay because you start making these games way Mm -hmm. before you have any idea what the console is going to do. So this is their way of being like, don't worry, like, it's there and it works. But this is the only way you're ever going to experience it, you piece of
1: shit. Yeah, Japan Studio, since it is Sony's in-house developmental team, they obviously knew what the things were going to come for the PS5. So, yeah, this is a great game to show off what he can do, but it fucks all the other developers up.
0: oh, yeah, and it's a pro- it's not a real game, I'd imagine it's going to be more like playing through like a demo disc of you know it's like, oh, you know, uh, when you get a stereo and it's in demo mode and all the yeah. lights are flashing and it's switching between features like yeah, but like I really just want to do this one thing it's like, no nah, you can't do that
1: yeah it's, it looks like it's just a bunch of mini games it's It's there for you know to let your eight year old nephew play on Christmas Day.
0: I'm guessing based on the developer of the next one and what they're known for, that this next one is a game that's up your alley.
1: It is up my alley. Uh, We don't know much about it. I will tell you what I do know about it. Um, The game is called Pragmata, and it's from Capcom. We know what they made. They did Resident Evil. They did the Street Fighter series. They did the Devil May Cry series, and they did the Mega Man series. So really top-notch games made. But Capcom also does not fear doing weird games. So from what we could tell from the game, it's set in a post-apocalyptic world and you're in Times Square. You're this just giant astronaut with this book bag on. He's doing this scan. All of a sudden this little girl shows up. This x-ray cat's there. You kind of interact with the girl and then a satellite crashes through the screen, which was the sky. You get launched up into space with the girl and cat in tow The little girl does something to your machine. It launches this green net that stops the satellite from smashing into you. And then you end up on the moon. And you and the little girl, the girl also does not have a space suit on. You and the little girl are now staring at the earth. The little girl asks, what is that? And the spaceman in the most American way he could do say freedom. That's our freedom. Trump 2020. Yeah. Well, Fortunately, this game will come out in 2022 we do have a release year of that so hopefully this does not become Trump's America.
0: yeah, the girl without the mess really freaked me out. I was expecting some kind of weird either you know sci-fi fantasy thing or some kind of horror thing to happen where she's some kind of monster that eats his body or something
1: yeah with uh definitely with Capcom, and I'm not trying to you know give them a hard time Capcom, and a lot of Japanese studios have a really rough time rendering American looking characters. So when that little girl did pop up on screen, we were kind of confused of like who the hell she was. But after watching the trailer a couple of times, you point out, you you figure out that, you know, just unfortunately the Japanese don't really render American citizens really well. And it's nothing against it. It's not a bad thing, but like you could tell it's going to be weird, especially since it's set in America being made by a Japanese game. It's definitely just a weird fucked up game.
0: Well, I was just saying her not having a fucking helmet and being in space. (laughs) And no shoes on, too. Sure. Okay. (laughs) The uh, next game we have is Ghostwire Tokyo uh, from Tango Gameworks and Bethesda. Tango has made the Evil Within series and Bethesda has made Elder Scrolls, Fallout, uh, the recent Doom series, and recent Wolfenstein series. From Bethesda, quote, From Shinji Mikami, who created the Evil Within series, and the first three Resident Evils and the team at Tango Gameworks comes Ghostwire Tokyo, a next-gen action-adventure game coming to consoles exclusively for PlayStation 5 in 2021. Tango Gameworks has taken full advantage of the power of the PS5's next-gen hardware to create a stunning, immersive, and mysterious world to experience. After a devastating occult event leads to, To the disappearance of 99% of the city's population, only you stand between the loss of this great city and its salvation, Tango wrote in a recent Sony blog. After the vanishing, a strange encounter
1: causes your own supernatural abilities to take shape. And in another quote, they said, We are particularly excited by the possibility of players experiencing our modern, yet visitor-filled city with 3D sound. Genji Kimura, the game director of Ghostwire Tokyo, said, also, he said in his blog, this version of Tokyo is not a version you've ever seen or heard before. In Ghostwire Tokyo, you'll hear and encounter sounds that you normally would not hear in the city in real life. Our hope is that with the 3D sound, you will feel compelled to seek out and identify what is causing those sounds you hear. So this gives me, I don't know if you watched uh, The Leftovers.
0: I did, yes. Kind of gives me that, that sort of vibe. Uh, I'm guessing we're getting some sort of RPG-ish, but, like, third-person style game. I'm I'm not really sure what the gameplay exactly looks like here, but the, uh, like, the environment looked great. I was impressed with that, and obviously knowing what Bethesda has done, um, you know, I, I expect good things from this, but, you know, what, what, what were your takeaways from this?
1: Well... When we first heard about this game, we all thought it was going to be in third person, but they did show that it is in first person. Okay. Uh, Sorry to correct you there. I apologize. I have no Um, idea. It definitely is a horror game to some aspect. Uh, You don't use conventional weapons, which is really cool, because now you have the supernatural ability. So it almost looks like you're using these um, ninja hand movements that they do in Naruto or whatever. Okay, Uh, like a Kamehameha. Yes. So, yeah, you can chop people with your hand. You can shoot at them. Um, they had these weird-looking Slenderman-like guys in suits and ties attacking you. They had um, what I always say as uh, the Korean ghosts from, like, horror movies are enemies. Okay. And then you had a little boy that looked like Georgie from It uh, summoning these Slenderman people. But it seems really interesting just because of who's been tied with it. So the guy who did um, Evil Within and this has has never really made a bad game. I think they made one or two, which I don't know off the top of my head. To be in a, a breathing, living Tokyo is really interesting and just dealing with these supernatural things that you don't know anything about, but you have to use the 3D sound to figure out what they are and how to attack them is really intriguing. It's definitely up my alley of something I want to play.
0: The next game we have is one that I'm interested in and I actually am wondering if, if you'll be able to help me with the comparison I'm thinking of because I can't remember the name right now, but the next one we have is Godfall, made by Counterplay Games. And Gearbox, Gearbox you'll know from the Borderlands series, Risk of Rain series, and We Happy Few. From counterplaying Gearbox games, you are the last of the Valorian Knights, godlike warriors able to equip Valor Plates, legendary armor sets that transform wielders into unstoppable masters of melee combat. Players will tear through foes as they climb through some of the elemental realms. We're still hard at work and can't wait for players to experience Godfall when it makes its console debut on PS5 and launches on PC this holiday season. One part gear-driven and one part player-skill-driven, all said by game director Keith Lee. There's there's a phone game.
1: Infinity Blade. Yes. I, I knew, <laughs> yes, it definitely has those vibes on it of you just fucking shit up. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say that the song that they use I think was really good it it was definitely um definitely added to the the cinematic they showed you um it just looks like a really super fast dark souls with the premise of just fucking shit up and being as powerful as you can
0: yeah and if it's anything you know like like borderlands which you know gearbox was responsible for i'm hoping that there's like just a ton of different like armors and weapons and stuff like that um i, I don't know what they call those like those games where it's just a ridiculous amount of items. Well, I think there's a term for there's it. There's
1: right? loot-based game, looter shooters is the Yeah, I,
0: I guess, you know, like a loot or something like that, where there's just a, a ridiculous amount of items that, that you can go through and, and pick out what you like and and, and try different things. So um, I like games like that. Uh, you know, Destiny's kind of that way, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like there's so many different guns and whatnot, and it's really just personal preference. So if this one has a lot of different armor things. They give you different skills or things like that, maybe uh, have cool appearance differences as well. Uh, you know, weapon choices as well. So we'll we'll see what comes of that. But the first thing I thought of was an Infinity Blade, which I was definitely addicted to on my phones. Uh, this is not a mobile game, obviously, but um, definitely had that kind of feel to it. So I'm definitely uh impressed with that one. The next one is really high on my list as well. This is Project Athea is my guess at it. It's Luminous Productions and Square Enix. So Square Enix, obviously, Final Fantasy, uh, the current Tomb Raider series, etc. etc. But almost anything the Square Enix puts their stamp on, I'm probably giving them my money. From their website, Project Athea is the culmination of our philosophy here at Luminous Productions to create completely new and fresh gaming experiences that fuse together the latest technologies with art. With the PS5, our vision truly comes to life and with Project Athea, players can look forward to being transported to a vast and detailed world filled with beauty and dismay. We don't know a lot of what's going on here, but again, to me, when I see Square Enix, like I feel like I'm going to get, um, you know, so most of the time, some kind of fantasy action style of game, and for the most part, I'm pretty okay with that. We don't know a release date either, so this doesn't look like it's planned for the holiday release or anything like that. Uh, what were any of the impressions that you got from this one, though, Steve?
1: It definitely looked like a fantasy Tomb Raider. It looks like they almost mashing those two styles together. The art style was strictly Final Fantasy. Definitely got a lot of Final Fantasy 15 vibes from it, but it looks like you're doing a lot of adventuring like Laura Croft did in the recent Tomb Raider games that Square Enix has released. It's just it's a beautiful game. It's I mean there's nothing negative about it. Um, I mean we were both stunned by the game. The cool thing about this game is, after doing a little bit of research, we found out the game is being written by Gary Whitta, who wrote Rogue One, which, you know, the movie took place in between episode three and four of the Star Wars series. And, I mean, that was a really great Star Wars movie. Yeah,
0: definitely up there for me. When people talk about them, and, you know, we we did a whole popcorn reportables on this, if you want to check that out, that's out there at PopcornPPN on Twitter. Just saying, but... Uh, you know, when we talk about one through nine, generally we, we try to leave out some of those spin off ones and whatever because they're not necessarily in there. But Rogue One obviously fits right in there. And if we're talking about all the Star Wars movies, it is very high up there for me. I was a big fan of that. So to hear that Gary Whitta is actually writing this and again, combining that, my love for that movie, my love for what Square Enix normally does and their storytelling as well as their gameplay, like this. This has all the makings of a home run for me. My only fear is without a release date. I feel feel like I'm going to be waiting for this along with the rest of Final Fantasy VII Remake for much longer than I'm equipped to deal with.
1: Yeah, we don't know a release date on it. I mean, the only really good news besides the writer of this game is that we said that the studio is Luminous Productions, and they actually branched off after they got done making Final Fantasy 15. So they definitely know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, and 15 was uh, a great Final Fantasy as well. Like we talked about in, in the first episode a little bit. So, uh, Steve, what's the next one we have up?
1: Uh, it, this one is a series that I haven't really played a lot into. I know that it's revered for what you can do in the game, uh, um, but it is Hitman 3 by IO Interactive. And they've only made Hitman games since uh, 2010. So they know what they're doing with Hitman games. This is their wheelhouse. Yeah. Um, Pretty much from IO Interactive, uh, Hitman 3 is the dramatic conclusion to the world of Assassination Trilogy. And we will put you back into the shoes and stylish suits of Agent 47, a ruthless professional assassin who must take on the most important contracts of his career. Um, Again, I've never played a lot of these games, so I don't know much about it. Uh, The level that they showed... You were in Dubai on some giant skyscraper that was above the clouds, but the level was gorgeous. That the, the sneaking around, what he can dress up as, it was just gorgeous. It looks like you, this is the most you can ever do in a Hitman game of what, how you want to kill somebody or how you want to dress up in a disguise. It was just a beautiful, breathtaking game.
0: Yeah, I've also never played them, but I can tell you, and from you know being online after the event first aired, that I saw a lot of people that I know... You know, Twitch streamers, people in the gaming community, that a lot of people's response to this trailer was, you know, I've never played a Hitman game, but this might be the one. Like, this really seemed like it pulled people in. I got a little bit of, like, an Assassin's Creed vibe from mm-hmm. it a little bit. I would think there, there's some similarities there. Assassin's Creed is a franchise that really sputtered out for me after oh, yeah. really hitting it, hitting it off at the beginning uh, so you know maybe this kind of fills that void of that of that kind of stealth esque, but you know I, this is obviously going to be much more modern, much more uh, probably like a lot of gun options and everything. But I'm sure a lot of more you know mercenary style type of things as well. Um, you know some more stealth like some more discreet options as well. So but like you said, the level looked incredible. Uh, you know it seems like I'm, I'm sure it probably is more. Uh, it's easier to be excited if you're familiar with the franchise, especially if this is the conclusion of it, but mm. I'm pretty sure that regardless of knowing the story or not, I mean, come on, like, watch any movie. Like, a hitman's a hitman. How complicated can that story really be? He's probably been double-crossed a couple times. He's probably <laughs> fucked a couple of broads a couple <laughs> times, and, like, all right, now now he's got to go out guns blazing, so, like, let's go. Oh, man, I, I'm, I'm already caught up. Watch a James Bond movie, for fuck's sake, or watch some Archer. You'll get oh, it. Man. Everybody gets it. Next one, we have Deathloop from Arcane Studios and Bethesda. Arcane has made the Dishonored series, Bioshock 2, and Prey. We've talked about Bethesda already. From Arcane Studios, quote, with stunning and stylish environments, memorable combat encounters, and the freedom to tackle each mission at any pace and with any approach you choose, this is Arcane like you've never seen or felt it before, built with next gen in mind. Deathloop is being developed for a new generation of hardware and will launch on console exclusively for PlayStation 5. Deathloop has the player in the role of Colt, an assassin that is stuck in a time loop, so this is the game that we kind of teased earlier, being along the similar lines. Waking up on a beach at the island of Blackreef, Colt has been tasked to take out eight targets across the island before midnight, As even leaving one alive will cause the time loop to reset and undo his work. The player uses a combination of stealth, parkour, and attack skills as in Arcane's previous Dishonored and Prey games to move about the game world, avoid or take out guards, and learn the patterns of Colt's targets to figure out the right order to eliminate these using guns, melee attacks, or other environmental means. The game features a multiplayer aspect in which the player can alternatively take the role of Juliana an Agent tasked to protect the time loop and take out Colt. When the player takes this role, they will enter a random player's game and may interfere with their play. The multiplayer portion is optional, and players can prevent others from taking on the role of Juliana in their game, instead leaving this to a computer-controlled opponent to try to stop Cole. So, this one really interested me. This one looked awesome. I like this premise a lot more than the other one we mentioned previously. They are kind of different style games, but... Um, I, I think there are a lot of similarities. The one thing I'll say that, that I, I didn't know until we looked this up was I love the idea of having PvP but having it optional so that you're not just getting trolled by somebody being an asshole, but if you, you, you want a challenge, I'm sure that's going to be something interesting. It'll be interesting to see if they can branch off of that more because from how this is, it pretty much seems like you can... The only thing you can really do is just kind of go into somebody's, I guess, campaign mode, mm-hmm. uh, so to speak, and and potentially, you know, restart their loop or something, which, you know, I'm sure it could be fun. But, you know, I'd like to maybe see them open that up a little bit more, and they probably will as time goes. But that's a really interesting twist that we don't see a lot of. And that reminds me, uh, we talked about in the first episode of Destiny 2, when we would do the gambit, and you're able to go to the other side yes. and slow down their progress by killing people who are, who are on the other side fighting the uh, the swarms and everything. So that's a pretty cool idea, and I thought the gameplay looked incredible. I love the idea of it. This is a game that I feel like is gonna frustrate me, based on things I've said before about you know like things that have to reset or or games where you have to be very precise. Like this feels like one that you are gonna have to to probably be pretty strategic, and and it sounds like you know get the whole thing right in one swing or start back at the beginning, a la you know a Dark Souls or something like that, so to speak, to a, to a degree, but probably not as serious.
1: Yeah, I it's definitely from the other game Returnal that we covered earlier. This one is definitely more first person shooter focused. You know what you need to do, you know who you have to kill, you know what you have to do, but with, with Returnal, you're you don't know what the story is. So you have to figure it out. With Death Loop, you do. Uh and just figuring out how to kill the eight targets is really cool because you only have a limited amount of time. We don't know how that's gonna, you know, interact or affect the game like how it was in Major's Mask with the time limit you have. Yep. But you you'll be able to you know figure out how to do certain things. The uh, aspect of having somebody play Juliana and come into your game would definitely give the game replayable uh, replayability for it because you can beat the game normally. and then if you want a challenge, you can have somebody to come into your game and mess things up. Or if you feel like being a dick that day, you just go fuck somebody else yep. someone else came up. <laughs>
0: Yeah, definitely a really interesting component. It'll, it'll, it'll be cool to see how that plays out, but I'm looking forward to this one. I think this is definitely one that I would pre-order and, and make the purchase just based off what I've seen. I'm sure more will come out and everything, but like I feel, I feel pretty confident in this one. This is probably, as far as this list goes, I think this is in at least my top three, if not my top five. So looking forward to that one a lot. I know this last one is probably all you, so go ahead, man.
1: The last and final game on our list uh, is Resident Evil Village from Capcom. We already covered Capcom. We don't need to talk about them anymore. But a quote from Capcom.
0: It's not Campom? That's what's written in here. Yeah,
1: you. well, I am i don't have the best writing. I, I have a mush mouth and I have a terrible writing. They have spell check, brother. Google doesn't like me. Uh, from Capcom, the fear, and, the fear of dark corners have been replaced with the anxiety of the unknown as Ethan searches for answers within descriptive decrypted buildings among snow-covered trees. The return of a first-person perspective will bring a visceral edge to combat, with a greater focus on combat and exploration compared to Resident Evil 7. The village itself is just an important character as any other location, with a life of its own that will frequently keep you on edge as you discover its secrets. During the reveal, Capcom's Kellyanne Hanley said about the story, Ethan's world has suddenly come crashing down once again when Chris Redfield... An unexpected yet familiar face makes an appearance, setting off a chain of events that seen a distraught Ethan seeking answers to Chris's shocking actions and ultimately finding him in a mysterious village. The game was originally going to be cross-gen, but now it's only next-gen because of the rendering of the village and Capcom wants to make sure that when you play the game, there's no load screens throughout the game. I was really excited for it. When we saw the trailer, we kind of didn't know what it was. Uh, even when they were playing through it, with- all of it I had no clue I'm like okay this just looks like a horror game but then we saw the umbrella logo on the table and I instantly lost my shit I <laughs> we talked about it before I do love my Resident Evil games I do don't I don't like being jump scared I'm I'm not going to lie about that but the fact that this game is moving over from jump scare horror to actual just action horror I'm really intrigued it definitely gave off a lot of Resident Evil 4 vibes where you can go around explore stuff but it's it's still still keeping that first person shooter. So there's definitely gonna be some horror in it. Uh, you see these um these broads, these 1920s broads that are like s- surrounding you. Uh,
0: broads. <laughs> um,
1: you definitely see uh, what looks like the return of the Ganados uh, of the uh, Los Plagas virus that was in there. Uh, so it definitely does look like a really good sequel to the original to Resident Evil Seven, and you know it definitely might retcon a lot of the stuff that happened in Resident Evil Six where you know, Biowar weapons are everywhere. So I'm actually really intrigued to it because this looks like a game where I can be scared but still feel like a badass and still shoot things and not have to worry about something jumping around the corner for me. And the fact that Chris uh, Redfield is betraying you just totally sets it off because now we don't know what his motive was.
0: Yeah, we talked about Resident Evil on our top 10 list, but if you didn't listen to that, you know, it's not as serious for me because I don't do horror I don't really like any kind of scares; It's not enjoyable for me, but you know, a lot of people that I respect who play a lot of games are big fans of that franchise, so I appreciate it, get it, but not for me. So I'm glad you're excited. Hope everybody that's a fan of that series is excited, but not going to be on my list. Steve, we've gotten through everything I believe that they went over in the event. It was a lot of fun. What what do you think's the the one you're looking forward to the most of all of these? If you have to pick one,
1: uh, if I had to pick one, that don't is,
0: say Sackboy.
1: boy. I'm not gonna say Sackboy. boy. I, I prom- did. Well, you know what I meant. Um, it's tough because do I want a story based game? Do I want an action based game? It's really tough. I mean, if if I could choose two games, and I'll, sure. Okay, I would have Goodbye Volcano High and then Resident Evil Village. Those are my two top. Games. You have Goodbye Volcano High
0: on yes. here. You don't know what it is.
1: I, I'm intrigued. I like the emotions that the characters have. I like the art style. I'm a very late-blooming emo kid, so I like having characters feel the same way as I do. And just knowing that someone can make that happen in a video game is really great. I mean, I would have put Stray on the list because I thought that was a more intriguing subplot and everything with the game. But I don't know much about it. Volcano High just in, instantly pulled me away. the The ending song was really good. It just it's an it's an emotional story game, and that's what's really that's what really matters to me. If I would just want, uh, with pure just normal normal game, we'll do Resident Evil Village. I'll say that hands down.
0: Yeah, I think Kenna Bridge of the Spirits is number one for me. And since you got to cop out, I'm gonna cop out. <laughs> it, it's it's tough because I'm not sure what's going on with the Spider-Man Miles Morales if it's a standalone Mm -hmm. or an expansion. So that one might have been up there if it wasn't. I'm going to say I'm I'm probably pretty tied between Ratchet and Clank and Horizon. I think Ratchet and Clank, surprisingly, I think really might be number two for me. It looked that good. And it just looks like one of those games, it looks like a game that you can probably, you know, miss playing for a week and jump back into. Mm -hmm. It looks visually amazing. I'm sure it's going to be challenging, but not frustrating for the most part. And like... You know all the rifts and the different dimensions and the fact that they were, all of that was happening without like basically any loading, mm-hmm.
1: no rendering just, or anything like that. Just
0: just felt so incredible to watch and and if that's the way it plays, if it's that smooth and that seemingly transitionless, then I feel like that's just gonna be a very enjoyable play. That you know, especially in in the in the wake of those Spyro and Crash Bandicoots and. And other Ratchet and Clank games, like, usually, like, they do a, have a decent bit of replay value, too, because there's usually a bunch of things to do in levels. So, like, you know, you can go through and beat it, but you can also kind of go back and, like, quote-unquote 100% the game. You get the collectibles and, and stuff everything like, like that. that, yeah. So, like, I imagine it's going to have a lot of fun replay values, a lot of challenging things to go back and, and wrap up and uh and really complete the game which which it looks like it's going to be you know fun enough to want to do which I always appreciate because a lot of times you know in a game like that you may get through it and be like all right like you know I'm done I don't need to go back and do all of this but again ju- just off that trail with how incredible it looked uh visually and and, and the gameplay that we saw um, I'm very excited for that I think that's going to be a very good game for the platform. So. Overall, uh, you know, I would say I think I think we're we're pretty impressed with the the entire release, both with the console and with the gaming list we were provided so far. It sounds like they're going to have a decent amount of things on tap for the release this holiday season. We don't know exactly when, we don't know exactly how much, but hopefully, once we do, we'll be back to discuss that and everything else video game related here on Power Ups and Potables. For Steve, I'm Dan. Thanks to everybody for listening. Hit that subscribe like five star rating review follow us on the social media everything like that we'll probably get a twitter up and running at some point specifically for the show so that we can get you more video game updates and things like that cheers everybody thanks and we will talk to you soon